video. It's the only way to get what you want to watch. Hello, my name is Justin McClure, and I'm here today with Mark Hansen. And you're listening to the Base Street Video Podcast. We go through all of this week's new Blu-rays and DVDs. Every single one of them. Uh, And there's so many this week. Usually when I say that at the beginning of an episode, I'm being sarcastic. You sarcastic? Nah. Never. No, this week it's very light. Uh, It's going to get heavier next week, right, Mark? Sure, yeah, definitely. (laughs) I think the releases are just drying up a little bit these days like usually we have light weeks on this podcast because stuff just doesn't show up but i think you know looking ahead we both talked about this there's not a lot of huge titles coming out over the next month no or maybe so. it's because every movie has been released there's nothing left to put out there's nothing left so let's start right off in the cult section we got cthulhu mansion yeah sounds cool right yeah oh and it's directed <laughs> by the guy who did slugs and pieces that's fun Nah, tamper your expectations. Oh, I love slugs and pieces, though. <laughs> yeah, no, no, but not very good. I think it was one of his last movies. You can definitely feel him phoning it in on this one. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm intrigued. Any, anytime there's a bit of a Lovecraft association, I'm kind of intrigued. Oh, but... there's like no Lovecraft. If Cthulhu was not in the title, you would not associate it with anything Lovecraftian. So, yeah, Vinegar Syndrome finally put it out where it can continue to trick people uh, from generation to generation. Yeah, yeah. Coming from our Vinegar Syndrome spokesperson himself, Justin DeCleer. Uh No, I'm not an official Vinegar Syndrome. Until they send me discs, I am not. They don't own me. But hey, if they send me discs, I'm there. They own you. I know it. This uh, Blu-ray does have a fun uh, full-length documentary about the filmmaker, though. So, yeah. Vinegar Syndrome knows this movie's not good. And they're like, listen, we put the, something else on it. It, it. It's not even deigned with a commentary track look whether a movie's good or not it, i don't think is really relevant to vinegar syndrome fans right i feel like fans of vinegar syndrome just buy them all and i'm you know oh yeah fine. they may they probably do but there's ones that they like and they don't like oh yeah yeah <laughs> it's not like they're, they're sheeple that are oh everything's good the vinegar syndrome puts out <laughs> yeah because we're about to talk about some more disappointing ones hey look it's dark tower you a big fan of um, Shockwaves, the Nazi zombie film with Peter Cushing, or Return of the Living Dead 2? Kind of. I've never seen Shockwaves, actually, but, you know, Return of the Living Dead 2 is okay. Oh, I like Shockwaves. I actually have that Blu-ray signed by the director, Ken Wiederhorn. Ooh, how about Who that? directed this uh, other film that we have on this list, Dark Tower from 1988. Look, I've never seen it. Nobody really likes it. I did not buy it from Vinegar Syndrome. Wow, yeah. Listen, you fooled me with Cthulhu Mansion. I mean, at least Cthulhu Mansion has, like, a cool-sounding title. Like, Dark Tower. Another Dark Tower. Ugh, yeah, what a slog. And the cover just looks like uh, Poltergeist yeah, 3. Yeah, is this apartment horror? Or... Yeah, it is apartment Which horror. Which I generally kind of like, but... <laughs> what do you like about apartment horror? I don't know. I like it's just a different setting for it. I don't know. Maybe just living in apartments so much my life, it's just kind of... Yeah, uh, I guess Demon's two is apartment horror what what is what are some other critters three is an apartment horror dark water the j-horror movie that was apartment horror right i like that blu-ray Oof, bare bones you would have got me if you put a commentary on there vinegar syndrome but without it i keep walking uh... next up we got satan's blood this is a spanish horror film also i uh, haven't seen it not very good reviews people don't like it very much there are a million movies called satan's blood yeah that's what i was just gonna say another generic title here jesus how many movies are there that's satan's something honestly. onward from that we got taxi girls and heavenly desire it's porn guys that that's what this is the, yeah the monthly vinegar syndrome porn and it's a double dish set which you know that that means they're real stinkers I think that's kind of what they're doing most of the time now is like doing these porn releases on double features 
I guess they're drying up with the things they can release, even on that front. <laughs> Listen, this fill, this episode's all about drying up. Yeah, drying up. <laughs> so moving on in the classics, we got two Bob Hope ones caught in the draft. I assume he gets caught in a fart. And my favorite blog. Yeah, that sounds typical for Bob Hope. Um, yeah, my, he's a real fart comedian. He's a real fart comedian. Yeah, Bob Hope. Um, can't say I've ever seen a Bob Hope movie. Uh, Bob Hope, the man who was so bad to his wife that she essentially tortured him for the last years of his life as he was legally blind and she forced him to go on a variety show that he had no idea what he was doing. <laughs> now that's a comedy movie I'd love to see. Oh god, that sounds horrifying. I don't know, these are two Kino releases. I'm sure uh, Hopesters or Hope fans, Hope Heads, oh, it's right there in hope front heads. of me. Yeah, come on. Yeah. <laughs> That uh, they've been waiting for these two. I mean, yeah, Kino's been dipping into the Bob Hope uh, filmography a lot lately, I think. Uh, some of his other titles have done much better than this one, these ones, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Well, listen, people don't like the fart-based uh, humor. In the draft. <laughs> uh, double it up with the Vinegar Syndrome classic Demon Wind. <laughs> yes. Uh, for a fart-based double bill. All right, and moving on. Yes, I know it means the army, guys. You don't need to send for any For all letters. your fart film needs, yeah. So, moving on, we have have that funny feeling and this is one directed by richard thorpe of jailhouse rock fame joan howell a young and pretty maid for hire meets and begins dating wealthy new york businessman tom milford and <laughs> yeah snooze alert here i don't know does anybody like this movie yeah this is a universal mod release so you know they've got faith in it um yeah i don't know that funny feeling you know what that funny feeling means a fart's coming i swear we're not drunk on this episode it's 8 30 in the morning we're yeah we're drunk on power and this movie star sandra d and bobby darren all right i know of those names i do too i do too um but yeah, you know, my classic film knowledge is failing me at this moment in time. Right. Uh, Sandra D was Gidget. Yes, right. That was her big thing. All right. So moving on, we have The Bridges at Tokori and cha-ching! Yeah, I'm Scrooge McDuck. We're in the imprint uh, section of the podcast. Oh, yeah. A lot of imprint titles this week, actually. How are the imprint titles selling these days? They were, there was interest in them at first, and then people were balking at the price. And then they were kind of dying off. So we've had a bunch of them, like Fire in the Sky, things, titles like that, that have kind of been sitting on the shelf and not moving, which is a little surprising because they're like cult films. And usually a lot of our customers don't care that much about price anyway. Well, we brought the Indicator series in. Those were really pricey. And we thought nobody was going to go for those. And those always sold like crazy. So we thought the same thing for Imprint. Hasn't always happened. But with these new titles... They've been like the hottest selling things this week. Maybe because there's maybe because there's nothing else out. But I think maybe they've never been on Blu-ray, right? That's true. That's true. I tend to only bring in the ones that have never been out on Blu-ray. There are a few that Imprint's done that have already gotten North American Blu-ray releases, which I tend to pass on unless people specifically ask about them. But yeah, all of these titles are first-time Blu-ray releases. So do you still have copies of Hard Eight sitting on your shelf? We do. We do. We've sold a few. So the first one is The Bridges at Tokori. This one stars William Holden, Grace Kelly, and Mickey Rooney. A naval aviator is assigned to bomb a group of heavily defended bridges during the Korean War. More stuff for, for the old folks. Does it sound $55 good? <laughs> for a certain, uh, <laughs> certain clientele? Sure, sure. For a certain clientele who have money to burn. Who have money to burn in their retirement years. <laughs> the retirement years that I will never see. <laughs> oh, me neither. We're, we're going to be doing this podcast 60 yeah, years from now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> talking about whatever new format there oh, is. Oh, there's no new format, only Blu-ray. Only Blu- 
The Ultra HD has been dead. And oh, no, it's now. dead. I mean, Ultra HD has been around for what? Seven years, it feels like? It's been five? No, it's been seven years now. It's definitely been five, yeah. I think five's maybe around uh, It has not taken off and ain't gonna take off. Uh, you are wrong on that, sir. It's taken off around these parts, that's for sure. We sell tons of Ultra HDs. I think it's because the 4K Blu-ray players have not dropped in price enough. They're no, still so the expensive. Thing. Yeah, I was. I think I mentioned this maybe a year or so ago when my Blu-ray player broke. I was looking into getting an Ultra HD price, and I thought, you know, now's the time, or, or an Ultra HD player, and I thought, now's the time to upgrade. But even at that point, they were still like, even a low-end one was like 200, 250 That's bucks. That's wild. I don't even have a 4K TV. <laughs> yeah, and I don't have a 4K TV either, and I'm not planning on buying one anytime Listen, soon. Listen, if there's so. any sponsors listening to this who wants to give us money to get all these things, we'd be happy to do so. We'll test out and review your 4k discs yeah yeah it'd be nice to have a sponsor never had one of those yeah i know come on there's so many dvd and blu-ray companies out there sponsor us please we're open for business uh, maybe they can't do it because we talk about all the other ones listen we'll talk badly about them <laughs> yeah. if you give us money. come on imprint we'll talk gloriously about all your releases and then... oh so reasonable <laughs> all the work they put into it at a mere 55 dollars well you know since imprint's an australian label they shouldn't care if we talk about other north american releases so you know come on imprint that's right, we're, they got no competition. We're taking your product and crossing borders with it. Hey, look, five, another imprint title that's being released this week. I, th I've actually heard about this one. Uh, it's been famously uh, out of circulation for a long time. Yeah, there was an old uh, Sony DVD. Remember when Sony used to do those Martini movie collection series? <laughs> I do. Yeah, it was one of those, um, along with a bunch of other random titles, uh, which quickly went out of print. Uh, but yeah, since then, hasn't been really around. Uh, sounds pretty intriguing, though, if you like this kind of thing. Yeah, the world has destroyed a nuclear holocaust. Only five Americans survives. A pregnant woman, a neo-Nazi, a black man, and a bank clerk. <laughs> The five wow. fight each other, fall in love, and act really depressed a lot. Wow, this is from the letterbox. Really? Wow, it sounds like some off-Broadway, like Samuel Beckett play or something. Uh, moving on, we have Black Sunday. I, uh, I assume this is a John Frankenheimer one, right? 1977? This is the John Frankenheimer one. Yeah, and this is a big one. So why do people love this film so much? Because I... This has always been popular for us, and this has been selling, even despite the price, this has been selling quite well this week. Hi, you know what? I was really hyped up for it because I love John Frankenheimer when he's firing at all cylinders. And I just and it stars Bruce Dern as one of the terrorists, and it was just kind of dull. And like the payoff, it does does not live up to the seemingly I think it's like it's long it's like two and a half hours Ooh, yeah well this was kind of a thing the whole like I mean I haven't seen this one but I've seen uh two minute warning which was done I guess around the same time and that one I found kind of boring too and long there was like Super Bowl terrorist fever Super Bowl terrorist fever yeah with a bunch of like famous actors just like hanging out at the Super Bowl so we also have actually you know what I really like this movie breakdown me too I was gonna say let's talk about a real like awesome thriller here I think this movie is incredibly underrated and everybody should watch it because it is a crackerjack thriller. Crack um, open that wallet. <laughs> and that's the thing. Honestly, I would pick this up myself if it wasn't so goddamn expensive because this is like one of the first thrillers I can remember seeing as a kid that really like thrilled me. I remember being like, God, only like 11 or 12 years old when this came out and seeing it. And it just like, I love the premise. I think the setup is just genius. The fact that if you don't know much about it, it's a Kurt Russell movie where him and his wife are driving through the desert and their car breaks down. His wife takes a drive with a trucker and then she's never seen again. And I love the first like half hour setup where she disappears. He can't get anybody to cop that they even know that he has a wife or what he's talking about. 
And then from there, it just like spirals even more out of control. It gets more and more thrilling. I love the climax. I love um, uh, the villain who I'm blanking on his name. Uh, what's the actor's name who plays the bad guy in this? I have no idea. Famous actor. He's dead now, and he's a famous actor. And J.T. Walsh. J.T. Walsh. Um, he is phenomenal as the bad guy in this. Yeah, I just I just love this movie. I really, really do. And not fifty five dollars love it though. Yeah, more like sixty six dollars actually. Sixty six dollars. These things retail for sixty six ninety five. I'm just gonna lay it all out there right oh now. Oh my god! But you know what? At, at least they come with special features. I'll say that. Oh yeah, this one has a new critic commentary. Ugh, man, when critics do it by themselves, I'm always like, get somebody else in there, right? Can you get some like. Yeah, like, where, where's Jonathan Mostow? Is he... Uh, oh, he, well, he's doing a new interview on this disc. Yeah, but no commentary? I'd rather have, like, a few laughs than, like, just one person talking through it. I agree, And this yeah. is say, uh, coming from someone who just recorded two commentaries for this month by himself. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, we also have uh, The Trap is Set, a new interview with the stunt coordinator, an interview with the uh, musician who worked with Basil Polidorus. Uh, Life is a Jeep, Breakdown and Psychology of the Road, a new visual essay. Will this, like, get released in the United States? Like That's the big question with these imprint releases that I've been kind of, like, haven't been getting too many because I'm worried, like, we're going to get some and then, you know, there's going to be a North American release. And... Once the damn breaks. Well, that's the thing. Like, a lot of these movies are big titles, right? Black Sunday. Even Breakdown, I feel, has a cult appeal now. At some point, there must be a North American release on these, right? And I know a lot of these titles, well, the, the tricky thing is a lot of these titles are Paramount ones as well. And I know there's some weird stuff going on with Paramount. I don't know if you heard, but Paramount just took out uh, took out of print a bunch of Criterion releases that of their films. So like big ones like Nashville, Don't Look Now, Harold and Maude are all like well, out of print Isn't it because uh, they want to put it on Paramount Plus? Well, that's what we're thinking. Either it's Paramount Plus or, which would be really hilarious, they put a bunch of these out on their Paramount Presents line at some point. <laughs> Man, I mean... Paramount. No one's going to get your streaming service, you idiots. Right? So yes, nostalgia for Paramount. Well, that's that. So I don't know if they're holding off on releasing these just to put them on there. I mean, they have this Paramount Presents line, though, which you think would be like a perfect venue for titles like this. But they, you know, put out Elizabethtown or The Haunting. Well, we've already discussed that the person running it probably doesn't even know what Breakdown is. Wait, uh, did you hear the rumor that Warner Archives may be on the rocks? Interesting. No, I didn't. Yeah, there's rumors, but people have tweeted out, no, Warner Archives is not going down, which is always a sign of faith. But it's weird, though, because Warner Archives, it's just like a a made-on-demand version of, like, Warner's titles, right? So how would they go out of business unless Warner Brothers is going out of business? There's, like, five people. All they distribute distribute is Warner titles. Well, I do know that the archive systems for all the studios, whether it's, like, Universal Archive Vault or, like, the Fox Archive or Warner Archive, they're all all manufactured from the same sort of distributor, this place called Allied Vaughn, which kind of deals with all MOD products. So unless it's something where it's just, like, a breakdown in contract between Warner and this other like distributor or something. But that's the only way I could see them being on the rocks. Otherwise, I don't really understand what that is. Or it's like a, like a dumb executive that's like, we got to take all this stuff off physical media because yeah, we're bad? starting, a, you know, a bigger uh, streaming platform. Oh, cool. <laughs> it's cool. like, come on. 
the, there's no crossover the people buying Warner Archive discs and the people streaming the stuff. The people who want Warner Archive discs, yeah, don't want to get your streaming service, all right? <laughs> get it straight, So people. we also have another imprint title. Oh, man, have you sold any of these? Yeah, we're, we're not done here. We're not done here. <laughs> the Apostle, Robert Duvall starring in directorial. <laughs> yeah, movie. I don't know. Is this a movie? Um, I always confuse this one with the uh, Eddie Murphy is like a saint. Was holy different. Man? Yeah, Holy Man. <laughs> holy Man, I thought was so funny when i was a kid especially the scene where he he goes around to all the different like um home television stations and like messes around with them uh that movie's terrible though uh the apostle i remember that being a big movie at the time like everybody was talking about it i feel like it got nominated for a bunch of oscars does yeah does anybody watch the apostle anymore give me the saint over the apostle any day (laughs) (laughs) i thought i heard rumors that the saint was finally coming to blu-ray maybe maybe i'm wrong uh probably like a bare bones disc probably yeah like the phantom or something yeah so we also have the new adventures of pippi longstocking i know you've been waiting for this one right right no didn't know it existed until i saw it on this list uh, me neither uh, i can't say i've ever been a pippi longstocking person this is a 80s film version of this live action from ken anakin who is definitely a name i realize or recognize uh, oh yeah director of the longest day those magnificent men in their flying machines the pirate movie you know people like the pirate movie <laughs> nobody likes the pirate oh, movie. nobody likes that <laughs> so yeah this was i think the last film that he may be directed mm. well it was the last film that the star of the picture tammy aaron started oh yeah Ugh. looking at her credits she has five roles and one of them is as pasta bear wife on tim and eric show awesome great job christmas special oh uh, well that's funny that's funny I, I guess when you play pippi longstocking maybe that doesn't really open up a lot of uh doors for that you. is like a role that I am shocked she has not appeared in any David Dakota films. Because <laughs> right. he loves casting those like forgotten child actors. Hippie Longstocking fans, uh, you know. So moving on. So new stuff, Mark, take it away. New movies. New movies. Wow, we're here already. All right, let's do this. Let's do this. We got Monster Hunter, the biggest movie <laughs> of last year, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen it. I yeah, I kind of wanted to see this and then I just couldn't couldn't work up the energy you know my affiliation with paul ws anderson though i i think we need to make a new rule which is that you tell me a movie you want to watch and i go no 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 you wouldn't like okay, that that's true i don't think i would like this but you know you know how i stand for resident evil and all that so Ugh, like, terrible <laughs> we don't have to go down that road again but you know for half a second i was mildly intrigued by this but i don't know i I think you already told me it was bad. Here, here's what I'll say. Mark, have you liked a Paul W. Sanderson film since Resident Evil? I have not. I have not. <laughs> Don't watch okay. Monster Hunter. I actually watched The Three Musketeers fairly recently for the first time, and I hated that. That was terrible. So I like how you said, for the first time, like people have been waiting if you've watched the Paul W. Sanderson Three Musketeers. I know, right? I know you've all been waiting eagerly on my review of The Three Musketeers. Well, it is here, and it is... A terrible movie. All right, so moving on, what do we got? We've got All My Life, which is a sappy, romantic drama about a couple getting married, and then one of them discovers they have liver cancer. Oh, man, so another one of these? That's, that's fun. Another one of these. So, I don't know. I guess this was kind of a big deal. 
Because it was, it was based not a big book, deal. Maybe. I don't know. This is not a big. It's like any movie that got like half, like a sort of semi-big theatrical release last year is like, I guess, a big deal because nothing else came out. Yeah, but, but nobody okay. went to the theater, so uh, nobody cares. Nobody, nobody went to see it. Yeah. Uh, next up in that same kind of vein, we've got Half Brothers, which is a Mexican-American comedy about a Mexican guy who discovers he has a half brother in the U.S. Travels to meet him. They go on some road trip to trace the path that their father took from. Mexico. Mexico to the U.S. I don't know. This was some lame-looking comedy uh, that didn't look very good. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, it looks intriguing because it's, like, got a Mexican-American uh, cross-cultural kind of aspect, but it's just directed by, like, an American white guy. So, I mean, I don't know. Moving on. Other comedy stuff. We've got Animals, which, you know, there's been a thousand movies called Animals over the years, but this one looks kind of intriguing because it stars Holiday Granger and Aaliyah Shawkat. I like both of them. And uh, directed by Sophie Hyde. And this is like a who's directed some like pretty cool indie stuff over the years. This is like an indie comedy about two friends who are fellow deviants, enablers and codependents. And uh, they kind of live this Thelma and Louise lifestyle in the present. I don't know. It looks kind of like a dark comedy that uh, I vibe with. And I like Aaliyah Shawkat a lot. She's always really When you love movies called Animals. I love movies called Animals. What can I say? What can I say? Otherwise, we've got some more indie comedy stuff. Uh, Rock Steady Row. Sounds kind of intriguing. It was a hit at Slam Dance a couple couple years ago i think it won one of the top prizes there uh because slam dance is way better than sundance these days as i've come to realize uh have you seen this one yeah it's fine wow i like how you take the wind out of my sails there. that's <laughs> i haven't i haven't seen this movie so i can't say it looked intriguing though yeah yeah it has a fu- it has a fun first 10 minutes then it just kind of runs out of steam <laughs> and then you can just stop watching it after that <laughs> <laughs> yeah just hang it up hang it up uh, and then we've got The Swan, which is another <laughs> generic title. It's an Icelandic uh, coming-of-age drama about a young girl. And, yeah, I don't know much else about it, to be honest. But I do really dig Icelandic cinema. It's, like, cold and bleak. And, ooh, I just love that vibe so much. Like just Canada. like Canada, right? It does feel like Canadian cinema a little bit. Uh, and then in the documentary corner, we've got a couple music docs. Uh, first up, big one is Zappa, which everybody's been talking about. This is Alex Winter's documentary about Frank Zappa. I have. It's good. It's not a real, like, it's in-depth in the sense that there's a lot of ground that is covered. I wish it went a little bit more into him being a jerk, which was kind of one of his uh, dominating traits. But if you want to know about Zappa, definitely check this out. It's the most comprehensive one, a doc you'll find. Yeah, no, we've been getting, there's been a lot of interest in this, taking a lot of pre-orders of it, of it. And I love Alex Winter, you know, he's become like a pretty astute uh, documentarian since his Bill and Ted days. Not that the Bill and Ted days are over or anything, clearly. Nope. They keep rocking on. They keep rocking on. And then we've also got The Go-Go's, which is another documentary about The Go-Go's. And from Allison Elwood, who I definitely thought it said Allison Eastwood at first, but it is not her. It is different Allison. <laughs> Thanks for clearing that up for us. Thanks for, yeah, for until right the second when I'm looking it up again, I for sure thought Allison Eastwood made this movie. But you had a whole bit about like her being in Eastwood and stuff. I know. Oh, I got to scrap that comedy, but, but yeah. Uh, but anyways, yeah, this got uh, a lot of claim at Sundance and... And yeah, if you're a Go-Go's fan, this is a pretty comprehensive documentary about them. Otherwise, we've got um, Totally Under Control, which is the latest uh, Alex Gibney documentary, because he just cannot stop making documentaries. Oh, yeah, I saw this. It was on Netflix. You, you saw this, right? Yeah, this is the COVID documentary about how Trump has and the U.S. has basically screwed this all up. Yeah, it's fine. Like It goes through all the beats, just clarifies that... 
everybody at the top was incompetent and didn't want to do anything. Yeah, it's, I mean, yeah, good thing there's a document for of it. Uh, I wish they'd make one of these kind of documentaries for uh, Ontario because, you know. Oh, I've seen you railing on Twitter. We suck up here, yeah. Uh, but anyways, uh, otherwise, we've got another documentary. We've got Ghost Fleet, which is about a small group of activists who risk their lives on remote Indonesian islands to find justice and freedom for the enslaved fishermen who feed the world's, uh, who basically feed the world. Um, so this is a, a pretty acclaimed activist documentary that, again, is also, you know, played festivals about two, three years ago. It played at the Toronto International Film Festival and is finally just coming out. This is another company, Giant Interactive, which is kind of like Gunpowder and Sky 2, where they um, are like kind of an MOD company that takes a lot of stuff that kind of falls through the cracks and finally gives it a home. So this is uh, a cool documentary that definitely is worth your attention. And then we've got Changing Gears, uh, Crazy Samurai Musashi, which has been strangely retitled as Crazy Samurai 400 versus 1 by Welgo USA for the home video release. Why? What is Welgo doing? I don't understand. Because it's strange, too. They've Yeah, they've retitled it for, like, the cover and everything. But then on the back description, they still call it Crazy Samurai Musashi on there. So I don't know what happened there. Um, I was intrigued by this movie when I first heard about it at Fantasia because Shion Sono wrote the script for this. But I heard it's not very good. Well, it's directed by my favorite action choreographer, Yuji. Shimomura, and it stars the star of Versus, Tak Sakaguchi. But then when you read the concept, you're like, oh, it's a one long take, uh, non faked fight scene. Here's the thing fight scenes are exhausting. Yeah, okay. And so if you're going to have a movie that's one long fight scene, it's going to be boring as hell. No real choreography, just mostly the, them standing around and like waving swords at each other. That's exactly what this movie is. Like, that sounds interesting to me. Even you talking about it now makes it sound interesting to me, but it's just not like it's just it's not so thrilling dull. at all so okay because <laughs> yeah that was i think this is one of the ones at fan when i was doing some fantasia coverage where like there was a lot of hype for it and then like basically unanimously everything i read about it after was that it was like bad and boring and slow so uh yeah i guess nobody really likes this movie but can you feel shion sono's script vibe at all it's one long fight scene and most of the fights are improvised so like what even is the script then <laughs> i guess uh it's a guy trying to kill somebody and he has to fight like 400 guys to get to the guy he wants to kill I mean, it's been selling well so i guess some of this there's like samurai fans out there that just want to see that see that action i guess i don't know <laughs> right yeah like that mma real fighting style so uh moving on we've got some horror stuff we've got another shutter title because we can't go a week without a new shutter title uh scare me <laughs> you actually scared me a little bit there uh this is about a uh, couple of strangers who are telling scary stories to each other during a power outage and then those scary stories start to come to life wait did you see this one this seems like something that um the website that you write for would force you to watch because nobody else does you think so i guess i missed out on this one um I've heard about it. I think I was came across it when it was first playing on Shutter. Seemed kind of intriguing. It's gotten some decent reviews, um, but I don't know. It seems like these like I don't know if it's like an anthology type thing. If you I don't know how it actually works. Whether you see these stories, I think it's they're just telling each other stories, so you don't even see cutaways to the stories they're telling. I'm intrigued. I mean, I like that concept, um, but you know, it's just these. Just, we get so many of these Shutter titles come through here now. They all just kind of blur together for me. It's strange because they're like the one streaming service that is like actively putting out all of their stuff on disc now, or like most of their stuff on disc now, which is cool. 
but there's just so much of it that I just, you know, it gets lost. Yeah, but it's so half-assed. It's yeah, just right? Movie. They don't really do much. I mean, every once in a while, they'll do those, like, steelbook editions, like, for something bigger, like uh, Tigers Are Not Afraid or One Cut of the Dead. But mostly, yeah, it's just like a bare-bones DVD release. And then moving on, we've got some Canadian horror, which is always good, right? Right? Uh, no? We got beef. <laughs> I wish you could see my stone face as we were talking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we've got Beast Within, which is a... Nope, can't call your movie yeah, Beast know, Within. There's so many movies da, called da, Beast da, Within. Da. We've got... Um, this is a Canadian werewolf movie uh, that takes place at a gaming app launch party, which sounds really cool and oh, hip. Oh, gosh. Uh, where these people grow suspicious of each other as they become players of the deadly game. But there's a big werewolf head on the front, so I assumed this was a werewolf movie. Yeah, it is. Well, it stars everybody's favorite Canadian Colm legend, Fior. Colm Fior, who actually is not Canadian, so that's always... He's definitely the werewolf, I, right? He's got to be, right? Right? I don't know. Is this all that Colm Fior can get these days? I mean, Colm Fior works so he much. He works so much. I mean, I guess he's still, like, or at one point was still doing, like, Stratford plays, right? He was still working in Stratford. So, anyways, well, this is finally getting a belated DVD release. You People know. have been waiting with bated breath. But, uh, but now it's coming out. So, there it is. And we shall end off today's podcast with our blind buy of this Going week. Going out on a high woo, note. Woo, woo, woo. Going out on a high note. With my man, Dion Taylor's new joint. He cannot stop making movies. Fatal. I got to preface this by saying, I really like Dion Taylor. Or, yeah, I mostly like Dion uh, Taylor. I kind of like. You know, he doesn't offend yeah, me. Yeah, I liked his last movie a lot, Black and Blue, which was a really solid um, cop thriller. And then this movie is a reunion of sorts of uh, the talent behind The Intruder, which was the Dennis Quaid uh, domestic thriller that I really, really like, which was directed by Dion Taylor and written by the same guy as this, and also starring Michael Ely, who stars oh, in this. Oh, those beautiful blue eyes. I know, I know. Um, so this is a reunion, uh, an intruder reunion, if you will, uh, about quick Michael Ely as like some rich, successful sports agent in L.A., he gets the sense his wife is cheating on him and goes to Vegas for some bachelor party thing and decides to have a random one night stand with Hillary Swank of all people, um, who is, it turns out to be a crazy cop lady who gets involved in his life. And it becomes this psychological thriller where she gets crazier and crazier and she's got things going on. She tries to get him involved in schemes. He makes a ton of stupid decisions that gets him worse and worse into this situation. And wait, so you didn't like this movie. It seems right up your alley. I was having fun with it for maybe the first half. I would say it's definitely really slick, just like Dion Taylor's stuff has been lately. Um, it's just that really like slick kind of vibe, thriller vibe that I can go with. I think my big problem with this is the lead, Michael Ely's character, is just so unbelievably stupid to me. Like the decisions he makes just don't work for me, and then it just makes the whole thing get more and more ridiculous. Like at least with something like The Intruder. All it is is, like, Dennis Quaid is a crazy guy who doesn't want to give up his house, right? So he just, like, keeps coming back. And that's, that's like, all I need. This, I think they try and add a little too much plot here. And in doing so, they're trying to twist the main character's decisions to, like, fit the plot when... I don't really buy that he would act the way he acts at so all. So basically, your big issue is a an act that would have gotten the main character thrown in jail forever, no matter what happened afterwards. Yeah, basically. Because um, when that happened, I was like, okay, well, he's doomed, right? Like, there's nothing he can do at this point. Yeah, you know, there's, I think the twist, 
like I can pr- appreciate the twists and turns that it tries to throw you. I mean, this is a hard movie to kind of talk about without spoiling it because it's all full of like twists and turns, right? Not that many twists and turns. Not that many twists and turns, but. Yeah, like the big twist that you're talking about where he gets like thrown in jail and everything kind of came out of nowhere with me. And I was willing to go with that because it was kind of like unexpected. I didn't expect the film was going to take a drastic turn. Oh, I thought you meant the other twist where, spoiler alert, in case you're uh, meaning to watch Fatal, he murders someone. (laughs) Yes, we can talk about that. So I was first talking about the, all right, spoiler alert, if if you're going to watch Fatal where his wife and business partner slash best friend who have been cheating who have been cheating with each other are both murdered and he's framed for the murder, which kind of came out of nowhere for me. I didn't think they were going to go down that road so fast because it's only like halfway through the movie at that point. But then, yeah, when he's set up to try and kill this other guy and then actually kills him, even though he doesn't want to, like that whole scene didn't play out well for me. And I think the follow up to that, you're right, like where he automatically gets like he still killed a guy right like he's just totally exonerated at the end but it just ends with him being like he's been cleared of all charges and you're like what the hell yeah and the glibness about how it's like how they it's like these radio hosts talking about the fact he's been cleared of all charges because he's like a celebrity that was definitely something that was added in post-production yeah right because they make it like it's a shot of him just randomly driving (laughs) and then there's like radio voices oh that's like a producer going oh and so bro and the problem is too they try and kind of shoehorn in in that moment the fact that like oh wow it's crazy like a, a a black man getting off of charges even though he's innocent like wow that never happens which is a valid point right to talk about in america but the way it's done with this story this guy's not really like the that good great thing a, he was rich the guy's not yeah first of all the guy's not really that great a guy and he did kill somebody and second of all he's a rich guy he's a rich celebrity so like this is just rich people problems like we're not talking about some underprivileged guy who's like gotten like the shit end of the stick here like this is just some rich guy who's had even after he's been framed for murdering his wife and best friend is still like got tons of support right like his family yeah, he's out on bail he can do whatever he wants family believes him 100 percent. he's he's supported which doesn't always happen right so like this guy is really in a privileged situation and then never mind the fact that by the end like he's basically the only guy left like all of his friends his wife they're all like dead at this point his cousin who he has his like underprivileged cousin who gets killed like he's dead and it's all kind of this guy's fault that all of these people in his life are dead really So, I don't know. It's one of those things where it's like, I'm supposed to go along with this lead character and, like, sympathize with him and feel for him. But, like, at the halfway mark, I just didn't really care. I think what did it for me is, like, sure, he, like, sleeps with Hilary Swank at first and it's, like, a fatal attraction type thing. And, like, okay, I can go with that. But then after he finds out his wife is cheating on him, he goes back to Hillary Swank and then sleeps with her again and gets further entrapped by her. And that's the situation where I just kind of like turned off because I'm like, why would he do this? His this wife point? was cheating on him, Mark. He had nothing else. So he has to go back and sleep with a crazy lady that he knows is already fucking him over. Like, I, it just didn't, it just didn't work for me. I didn't get as much enjoyment out of this screenplay, I guess, as I did with something like The Intruder, which is also trash. Well, for was sure. The Intruder really... The screenplay, or is it 100% Dennis Quaid? You know what? Yeah, you're right. I think Dennis Quaid is the... I think, yeah, a big difference between these two movies is Dennis Quaid is amazing in The Intruder and really... Poor Hilary Swank. And really carries it. And Hilary Swank, I don't have beef with Hilary Swank. I think she's fine. No, she needs a new agent. She's not fine. Yeah, she doesn't... She's trying to do, like, this evil character in this, just like Dennis Quaid was. 
she can't quite go for it, you know? Like, Wait, switch it up. Have her role played by Dennis Quaid instead. <laughs> yeah, actually. You know, just bring Dennis Quaid back and have that. <laughs> yeah, playing the same character from The Intruder. Because they're also kind of riffing on, like, unlawful entry, right? Like the Kurt Russell, Ray Liotta thriller from the 90s where Ray Liotta. <laughs> Never seen really, it. Really, really great movie. Ray Liotta's like. Uh, I think you've spoken of it before. That in Pacific Heights. Yeah, it's like Kurt Russell and his wife, Madeline Stowe. They have, like, a home invasion and Ray Liotta's, like, a cop sent over and he kind of like kind of evil and ingratiates himself into their lives and starts screwing with them so this is kind of a riff on that because it's a she's a cop and starts screwing with them so it's like a mix of unlawful entry mixed with like fatal attraction but hillary swank's just not evil enough and when she tries to go bigger with more evil scenes it just kind of comes off a little laughable and i don't know i guess hillary swank's just not really that I read some reviews saying she's miscast, and I would kind of agree with that. I just don't think she's she's cast well in this. But she is a producer on this, so I get the sense that she really either sought after this role or really wanted to do this role, and like I don't for some reason. So she really wanted to play evil. That's fatal. I think it's going to get a nay from both of us. Nay. Did you like? I feel like I was the only one talking about this. What did did you like this or no? That's or? fine. You basically said everything that there needs to be said. I mean, you said it's real stylish. I don't know if I would agree with that. I feel like it's workmanlike. <laughs> Maybe I'm just seduced by the, like... You know what it's got? I think you're confusing it with that, like, cheap The Canyons vibe that you like so much. No, you're right. You're right. And <laughs> I think I'm just, like, taken in by, like, the real estate porn of Los Angeles, you know? Like, the house that this guy lives There's in. There's an interesting film here about, like, you know, because it's almost all black characters except for Hilary Swank. Totally. But it doesn't really do anything with it, which was unfortunate. Yeah, I totally agree. I think the intruder did more with that i mean i will say the screenwriter of this and the intruder is a white guy so that definitely gives it a different perspective but you're right i, I appreciate how with this and with a lot of the most of Dion taylor's films it is primarily a black cast and um i feel like in the intruder they dealt with the idea that dennis quaid was white i mean they even had dennis quaid wearing like a red like trump style hat at times which i didn't know if was like a deliberate thing or not but it kind of added to it i felt like there was a bit of an attempt there to deal with the fact that he was white and this new couple was black and kind of like intruding on his territory in his mind whereas in this one you're right i feel like they kind of set that up a bit but they never did anything with it until like the very end when these two radio hosts are just like kind of glibly talking about it as like a coda at the end of the movie but yeah there was a lot of opportunity to exploit that right especially when you've got like a white cop here trying to like take down a prominent black celebrity i thought they could do a lot with that oh well that's it for fatal and that's it for this week's episode of the Basement Video Podcast. It is, it is. Wow, we, uh, you know, managed to get some good content out of this list, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I forgot that we used to have a segment where we picked our favorite one we'd recommend. Listen, I got nothing this week. <laughs> I got Breakdown. I'll recommend Breakdown. Oh, Breakdown, yeah, yeah. Bias Breakdown. Send us over that $70 <laughs> for a brand new copy. Oh, you know what? I wouldn't no. say no to five either. 1951. I've never seen it. Wait, wait. Did you say 55 or is Breakdown a 66 one? Breakdown 66. Yeah. All of these are 66 95. <laughs> That's insane. I know. I know. Jeez. The uh, laser disc prices. media market, right? It's getting uh, too rich for my blood. Yeah. That's why we need sponsors. 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 That's why you need to send me a copy of this of Breakdown imprint. You could Come reach on. almost 200 ish ears every week. <laughs> yeah. Every 
every week. Every week. I wonder week. if there's anyone who are like, well, Justin and uh, Mark recommended it. I got to get it now. I, I will say I've gotten some calls here and some people come in since we started doing this podcast saying they um, listen to one of our podcasts and are taking a chance on a title because we recommended it. So it does work. Yeah. For the low, low price of, I don't know, we'll take uh, $1,000 a podcast. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> just pay us please 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 <laughs> and on that note my name is Justin the glue <laughs> and i'm mark hansen the penniless mark hansen <laughs> keep on buying and keep on renting if you can afford it these movies and many more are available at your local video store i can't please somebody buy me a copy of breakdown i'll be forever grateful <laughs> come on i mean the economy's very bad right yeah, now yeah, please my birthday's coming up happy like, birthday seven months from now <laughs> seven months from now